Come be a part of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board with Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right now. And here we go. Once again, that's the sound of rock cracking, and you've got Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right here on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Holliday, and wow, yeah, the politics and rocks cracking, breaking, falling apart, and what's going on? We're going to go underneath uh, uh, the Capitol Dome or on Capitol Hill. What what went on last week with uh, some hearings, especially... Over on the House side, where Candace Owens, the, did you hear uh, the testimony of Candace Owens? And there was uh, Representative Lou and, and uh, also Chairman Nadler was trying to mess up uh, Candace Owens. And this young black lady, she really uh, uh, set, set the house on fire because uh, Rush Limbaugh was talking about how uh, th- it was the most watched clip ever on on twitter uh c-span clip so we're gonna let rush introduce it with his words and we're gonna play a couple of clips and and we don't usually play the long clips but i want you to hear what candace owens had to say because i believe this is laying the groundwork for the campaign in 2020 and what the democrats want to do and Candace Owens saying she's not going to have it. She's not going to take it anymore. She's Candace Owens, if you're not familiar with her, she works with uh, Turning Point USA, a conservative group that tries to work with young people on college campuses, uh, started by Charlie Kirk. And we've had them on before, early on, several years ago when they first started. We had some of the leaders on Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. We followed them. And uh, Turning Point USA has done great work in trying to get truth out on the college campuses. But Candace Owens, who's African-American, has really been uh, pounded. She's been criticized. She's been ridiculed. She's had eggs thrown at her. She's been d- abused by uh, uh, different audiences and different uh, organizations. And, and then they there's a couple of white men. Well, one white man, a chairman, uh, Chairman Nadler, tried to cut her off and because he wasn't listening to her. Imagine that. <laughs> A white man from New York was not listening to a, a black lady. He was the chairman <laughs> chairman of the committee, and he couldn't hear what she was saying because he cut her off and he shouldn't have. You'll hear that coming up in just a few minutes. Before we get to that, I said uh, up on Capitol Hill, well, we still go back to Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, which has just skyrocketed people's premiums. It has skyrocketed my family's premiums we have to pay for insurance it's unbelievable it keeps going up president trump's trying to help out where he can but the law what do we mean by the law well the attorney general is supporting a position that the whole complex obamacare should fall and uh, he was asked about that by senator feinstein so 
Let's start with that. Let's listen to that, and then we'll get in this part of Candace Owens. This will last uh, three or four minutes, but take a listen because this is an important conversation because, again, it could lead up if the Supreme Court strikes down uh, Obamacare. It's going to have to lead to new health care, and it's going to have to do so by working with Democrats and Republicans. But President Trump said he'll make it a part of the 2020 election. Let's hear what... Uh, from California, Senator uh, Dianne Feinstein, and what she had to say to uh, Attorney General Bill Barr. Now, if I may, Mr. Chairman, on Senator Schatz's question of you, Mr. Attorney General, I, I'm really surprised by the answer because the Supreme Court did uphold the law, the ACA, and now the Attorney General is saying we will not defend it regardless. It seems to me that that's a problem, that if something is duly passed and upheld as legal, that the Attorney General has a duty to defend it. Well, the, the law was originally upheld uh, because the mandate was upheld as a tax, and and uh, Chief Justice Roberts' opinion said that it would, you know, it can be held upheld as a tax, even though it couldn't otherwise be upheld. So, but for finding it a tax, you would have had five votes against it. But that once the happen. once the penalty was removed, the the financial penalty was removed. It could no longer that provision could no longer be justified as a tax, which means that it would have to fall. So the mandate fell. The mandate, in my opinion, I, I don't think it's even a close question, the mandate was unconstitutional because it can no longer be upheld as a tax. Then the question becomes if the mandate falls, even though there was no penalty attached to it, what's its impact on the rest of the statute? Four of the justices in the NFIB uh, felt that the whole statute had to fall. So. As I said before you uh, arrived, Senator, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I felt that this was a defensible legal position to take. In my experience, which I guess I've been here 26 years, I've never seen this before, that a decision like this would be made by one individual on the basis of what has been a huge decision legislatively and signed by a president based on, I, I'm not sure quite what, despite what you said. So, who was the one? Who was the one individual? Me? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, you misunderstood what, yeah. what I said, but it's not. Okay. It's not important. All it's right. so. You're saying, despite the fact that the Supreme Court of the United States upheld what has been a major law duly passed, duly signed by the president, that you're just not going to defend it. That, that does happen. It happens occasionally in our system. Uh, I think the principle over at the Department of Justice is that our, our default position, our preference, is to defend 
statutes, even if we don't agree with the statutes and even if we think the argument's a weak argument. For example, last time I was in the Justice Department, I thought uh, the flag statute was unconstitutional, but we defended the no burning of the flag. We defended it. We lost because uh, Justice Department was why wouldn't you defend this? Because occasionally... you know the the administration determines that it uh, that uh, another position should be taken. Is this determined by the White House? It's determined by the process within the executive branch. There are a number of agencies. There are a number of different players, even in the White House, uh, that that get involved in these things. Well, I assume you wouldn't take this position unless this is what the president wanted. Well, because that would be a safe assumption. This is a mega law. You know, it affects pre-existing conditions. It affects everybody in the United States. It's not. It went through uh, a great deal of hearing and testimony and amendment and passage. Yeah, it was a very controversial law. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. But it's a big law. Right. And it's it's been operational for a period of time, and people depend on it, millions of people, for their health care. And so all of a sudden, along comes, and I I just, this is just my frame of way of saying it, somebody, and oh, I'm going to take this whole thing on, and... Well, there were 20, I think, or more states that were challenging it. I mean, it's, there were, there's a lot of opposition to, to it, a lot of states have weighed in, and uh, I think uh, the administration is on the side of those states. As I said yesterday, uh, I think people should sort of take a deep breath. If this is such a wacky position that that the administration is taking, then there's nothing to fear, right? Then, Then, you know, the law will be upheld. In 26 years, I've never seen this kind of thing. Well, Senator Feinstein... I just have to say, in 26 years, you hadn't seen that kind of thing. You were there when the law was put together, and how many words were put in by the Republicans? How many words did you allow to be put in? You know, what was it, 2,800 pages? Was there one word, one paragraph, one page out of 2,800? Not one single word, and it was crammed down the American people's throats, and uh, it was crazy that it was ever upheld five to four decision in the Supreme Court only after Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, uh, went out of his way to call it a tax. And now uh, the court in Texas has called it uh, unconstitutional because what happened? Uh, the mandate was acting as a tax and it's taken out the simple part. But we'll see what the Supreme Court says. But. That is an important part. The attorney general was pointing out it was a controversial bill. It was forced down the throats of Americans and that it was never meant to succeed. That's why you have Democrats running for president now who won't, won't Medicare for all because they, they know health care is not working, will not work with Obamacare. It was designed to fail to lead to single payer and that's uh and hopefully donald trump will bring uh the the full full court press on bringing up a new health care plan i do pl- blame the republicans for not having a plan in place 
I believe uh, Senator McCain, as much as I hated he put his thumbs down when they had a chance to get rid of Obamacare, uh, but he knew and the Republicans did not have a good, steady plan ready to go in place of it. So they got to get their job done, and it looks like the president said he'll have something together for the 2020 election. We have to wait and see. But now, uh, let me remind you, listen to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. We got some clips that I know that went a little long. We got, but we got clips from Candace Owens coming up. We're going to play it right after I remind you, you listen to Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics right here on webtalkradio.net. That's webtalkradio.net. And we have a book. Uh, I say we because uh, I wrote a book along with Dr. Alveda King, Dr. Alex McFarlane called Bedrock Truths. If you haven't got that book, you can order it. You can go to a web page. Just go to the front page there on our, uh, of our Rock Splitting Politics. You click on the book cover. It'll take you to my website. It's www.docholiday.org. Holiday with two L's. And you can order that book. Other books there. And I just want to remind you that some of the books will be uh, moving off the list soon. And uh, so order them while you can. And some of the back issues of back when the Tea Party days were going strong, you may want to get that. Because, hey, the Tea Party's 10 years old this this year. Did you know that? 10 years old. The movement, what the, everybody says, is uh, has calmed down. But what did it do? Well, it helped make America. It was the beginning of making America great again. And now we need to see it to fruition. It may not be under the name of Tea Party, but Donald Trump has gotten on board. And we do need to get to the ideas of the uh, Tea Party days. we got to get this deficit under control. And not only that, we've got to get our debt paid down. Some, uh, It's a long journey, folks. I wish it could go quicker. It's a long journey. We've got to keep on that journey. Saying that, let's uh, get on this journey of Doc Holliday's rock-splitting politics because what I'm excited about is someone who will stand up for truth and freedom and liberty, and that young lady is Candace Owens, I do believe. She is a pioneer, a political pioneer of the 21st century. African-American, conservative, strong of a voice that is a voice of a leader, a voice of a leader. And that what that means, people will follow her, especially those who feel like the Democratic Party is not uh, taking care of their views anymore. And that's why she's introduced this term Blexit. And we know like uh, the... Uh, uh, the Great Britain leaving the European, the European Union uh, called uh, Brexit. Well, she talks about Brexit, the black uh, Democrats leaving the Democratic Party. And uh, she's helping lead that movement. So let's uh, listen to what Rush Limbaugh had to say last week about this. I have to tell you, there was an exchange yesterday in Washington Capitol Hill House Judiciary Committee. C-SPAN has reported that a clip, a confrontation between Candace Owens and Ted Lieu, Democrat California, has become the most viewed C-SPAN Twitter video from a House hearing ever in 24 hours. 4.47 million viewers. In less than 24 hours, the video confrontation, Ted Lieu versus Candace Owens, a House Judiciary Committee 
is already the most watched C-SPAN Twitter video from a House hearing ever. House Judiciary Committee yesterday conducted a hearing on hate crimes and white nationalism. Candace Owens, Director of Communications, Turning Point USA, was one of those testifying. Congressman Ted Lieu, Democrat California, was there. He's a Twitter denizen. He regularly distorts and takes out of context everything conservatives say. He's a dishonest creep, and he did it to Candace Owens yesterday. He played a tape of Candace Owens yesterday, totally out of context, did not play the question she was asked. And in this bite, he's attempting to convince people that Candace Owens supports white nationalism like Adolf Hitler did. And she ate him for lunch in the response. Here's Ted Lieu up first. Of all the people the Republicans could have selected, they picked Candace Owens. I don't know Miss Owens. I'm not going to characterize her. I'm going to let her own words do the talking. So I'm going to play for you the first 30 seconds of a statement she made about Adolf Hitler. See how disingenuous that was? A 30-second clip of what she had to say about Adolf Hitler. Again, that was not where the context of what the words she had to say complete. It's just an abuse of Candace Owens, an abuse by words by this uh, uh, Representative uh, Lou. So let's hear what, now let's hear what Candace Owens had to say. At, this is what she had to say at her inner opening statement. And then we'll let her, uh, we'll play the clip where she went one-on-one with uh, Representative Lou. Mr. Chairman, Ranking Member Mr. Collins, uh, thank you for having me here today. I received word on my way in that many of the journalists were confused as to why I was invited, and none of them knew uh, that I myself uh, was the victim of a hate crime when I was in high school. That's something that very few people know about me, uh, because the media and the journalists and the left are not interested in telling the truth about me, because I don't fit the stereotype of what they like to see in black people. I'm a Democrat, I support the President of the United States, and I advocate for things that are actually actually affecting the black community. I'm honored to be here today in front of you all because the person sitting behind me is my 75-year-old grandfather. I've always considered myself to be my grandfather's child, and I mean to say that my sense of humor, my passion, and my work ethic all comes from the man that is sitting behind me. My grandfather grew up on a sharecropping farm in the segregated South. He grew up in an America where words like racism and white nationalism held real meaning under the Democrat Party's Jim Crow laws. My grandfather's first job was given to him at the age of five years old, and his job was to lay tobacco out to dry in an attic in the South. My grandfather has picked cotton, and he has also had experiences with a Democrat terrorist organization of that time, the Ku Klux Klan. They would regularly visit his home, and they would shoot bullets into it. They had an issue with his father, my great-grandfather. During my formative years, I had the privilege of growing up in my grandfather's home. It's going to shock the committee, but not once, not in a single breath of a conversation, did my grandfather tell me that I could not do something because of my skin color. Not once did my grandfather hold a gripe against the white man. I was simply never taught to view myself as a victim because of my heritage. I I learned about faith in God, family, and hard work. Those were the only lessons of my childhood. There isn't a single adult today that in good conscience would make the argument that America is a more racist or a more white nationalist society than it was when my grandfather was growing up. 
And yet we're hearing these terms sent around today because what they want to say is that brown people need to be scared, which seems to be the narrative that we hear every four years right ahead of a presidential election. Here are some things we never hear. 75% of the black boys in California don't meet state reading standards. In inner cities like Baltimore, within five high schools and one middle school, not a single student was found to be proficient in math or reading in 2016. The single, mother, the single motherhood rate in the black community, which is at 23% in the 1960s when my grandfather was coming up, is at a staggering 74% today. I am guessing there will be no committee hearings about that. There are more black babies born, there are more black babies aborted than born alive in cities like New York, and you have Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo lighting up buildings to celebrate late-term abortions. I could go on and on, but my point is that white nationalism, white nationalism did not do any of those things that I just brought up. Democrat policies did. Let me be clear. The hearing today is not about white nationalism or hate crimes. It's about fear-mongering, power, and control. It's a preview of a Democrat 2020 election strategy, same as the Democrat 2016 election strategy. They blame Facebook, they blame Google, they blame Twitter. Really, they blame the birth of social media, which has disrupted their monopoly on minds. They called this hearing because they believe that if it wasn't for social media, Voices like mine would never exist, that my movement Blexit, which is inspiring black Americans to lead, to leave the Democrat Party, would have never come about. And they certainly believe that Donald Trump would not be in office today. Looking on the next thing to focus on now that the Russian collusion hoax has fallen apart. What they won't tell you about this, the statistics and the rise of white nationalism is that they've simply changed the data set points by widening the definition of hate crimes and upping the number of reporting agencies that are able to report on them. What I mean to say is that they're manipulating statistics. The goal here is to scare blacks, Hispanics, gays, and Muslims into helping them, center, helping them censor dissenting opinions, ultimately into helping them regain control of our country's narrative, which they feel that they lost. They feel that President Donald Trump should not have beat Hillary. If they actually were concerned about white nationalism, they would be holding hearings on Antifa, a far-left, violent, white gang who determined one day in Philadelphia in August that I, a black woman, was not fit to sit in a restaurant. They chased me out, they yelled race traitor to a group of black and Hispanic police officers who formed a line to protect me from their ongoing assaults. They threw water at me, they threw eggs at me, and the leftist media remained silent on it. If they were serious about the rise of hate crimes, we may, they may perhaps be examining themselves and the hate that they have drummed up in this country. Bottom line is that white supremacy, racism, national, white nationalism, words that once held real meaning have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community has offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Reparations and white nationalism. This is the Democrat preview. Of course, society is not perfectible. We've heard testimony of that today. There are pockets of evil that exist, and those things are horrible, and they should be condemned. But I believe the legacy and the ancestry of black Americans is being insulted every single day. I will not pretend to be a victim in this country, and I know that that makes many people on the left uncomfortable. I want to talk about real issues in black America. I want to talk about real issues in this country and real concerns. The biggest scandal, this is my last sentence, in American politics is that Democrats have been conning minorities into the belief that we are perpetual victims, all but ensuring our failure. Racial division and class warfare are central to the Democrat Party platform. They need blacks to hate whites, the rich to hate the poor, and soon enough it'll be the tall hate. 
Well, a very powerful statement by Candace Owens, and that's why I call her a a political pioneer of the 21st century because she is plowing new ground. She's breaking ground for the young people of America, for people to look at of all colors of skin, all skin colors. They look at Candace Owens and be proud that she is someone who's found her values standing up And like I said before, she's a leader. She will have people following her. She already does, but I believe she's going to have more and more following her because she speaks truth to power. That's exactly what Candace Owens is doing, and she did it right there at the Capitol when she had a, like I mentioned before, Chairman Nadler from New York City did not listen to her, was not listening to the words she was saying. He did not respect her enough to even know what she was saying. He thought that she had called Congressman Lou stupid, and she did not do that because the chairman was not listening. He really messed it up, really messed it up. But let's see what the little response. And, and again, uh, Congressman Lou didn't even give her a chance to respond, but another congressman did. Take a listen to this clip. I think it's pretty apparent that uh, Mr. Lou believes that black people are stupid and will not uh, pursue the full clip in its entirety. He purposely presented an extract, an extracted clip. The witness will suspend for a moment. It is not proper to refer disparagingly or to a member of the committee. Uh, The witness will not do that again. Witness may continue. Sure, even though I was called despicable. Um, Witness may not refer to a member of the committee as stupid. I didn't refer to him as stupid. That's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. You, you didn't listen to what I said. May I continue? Please. As I said. Of all the people that Republicans could have selected, they picked Candace Owens. I don't know Miss Owens. I'm not going to characterize her. I'm going to let her own words do the talking. So I'm going to play for you the first 30 seconds of a statement she made about Adolf Hitler. I agree. I, I actually don't have any problems at all with the word nationalism. I think that it gets, uh, the definition gets poisoned um, by elitists that actually want globalism. Globalism is what I, what I don't want. So when you think about whenever we say nationalism, the first thing people think about, in, at least in America, is Hitler. You know, he was a national socialist. But if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. The problem is, is that he wanted, he had dreams outside of Germany. He wanted to globalize. He wanted everybody to be German, everybody to be speaking German. All right. So my uh, first question is to Ms. Hershenoff. Ms. Owens said, quote, if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, fine. The problem is that he wanted, he had dreams outside of Germany. So when people try to legitimize Adolf Hitler, does that feed into white nationalist ideology? Thank you. And I yield back. Gentlemen from North Dakota, Mr. Armstrong. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I would uh, yield my time to Mr. Reschenthaler from Pennsylvania. Thank you. Uh, Ms. Owen, uh, Ms. Owens, I'm sorry, we just started a recording. Um, would you like time to respond to that? Yes, um, I think it's pretty apparent that uh, Mr. Lou believes that black people are stupid and will not f- uh, pursue the full clip in its entirety. He purposely presented an extract, an extracted witness, clip. Witness will suspend for a moment. It is not proper to refer disparagingly or with, to a member of the committee. Uh, the witness will not do that again. Witness may continue. Sure, even though I was called despicable. Um, witness may not refer to a member of the committee as stupid. 
I didn't refer to him as stupid. That's not what I said. That's not what I said at all. You, you didn't listen to what I said. May I continue? Please. As I said, he is assuming that black people will not go pursue the full two-hour clip. And he purposefully extracted, he cut off, and you didn't hear the question that was asked of me. He's trying to present as if I was launching a defense of Hitler in Germany, when in fact, the question that was asked of me was pertaining to whether or not I believed that Hitler was a, whether or not I believed in nationalism, and that nationalism was bad. And what I responded to was that I do not believe that we should be characterizing Hitler as a nationalist. He was a homicidal, psychopathic maniac that killed his own people. A nationalist would not kill their own people. That is exactly what I was referring to in the clip, and he purposely wanted to give you a cut-up similar to what they do to Donald Trump to create a different narrative. That was unbelievably dishonest, and he did not allow me to respond to it, which is worrisome and to tell you a lot about where people are today in terms of trying to drum up narratives. By the way, I would like to also add that I work for Prager University, which is run by an Orthodox Jew, and a single Democrat showed up to the embassy opening in Jerusalem. I sat on a plane for 18 hours to make sure that I was there. I'm deeply offended by the insinuation of, of revealing that clip without the question that was asked of me. Wow, that's so powerful. That's why I let you hear that twice, and what she had to say in the halls of Congress at, at a congressional hearing. Did she, did she ever stand up to power? And people were not respecting her. The Democrats there did not respect her. They tried to put her down, and she had an answer. But not only did she have an answer, she had an answer that's going across America. Why? Because I think there's some people who actually have believed this lie for so long. And you, you think, well, they've heard it so long that they've got a thick skin and crust that anything that's new they won't listen to. But Candace Owens, I believe, is given a word that's getting through the thick skin that, hey, I've been lied to. When they've been listening to CNN and MSNBC and CBS and NBC and all the news that has distorted Donald Trump, and they see this young black lady saying she's a Trump supporter, and all of a sudden she uses truth after truth and knocks down lies, and therein, I believe, is an undercurrent that's not being respected by the mainstream media, and I believe it's touching the hearts and souls of people who feel like they've been abused and for years they've had their they've had their minds just mismanaged <laughs> they've been almost brainwashed to believe the lies of the liberal far left and all of a sudden Candace Owen speaks truth to power I'm telling you people are listening more than you know more than I know People are listening. There's an undercurrent, and that's why Candace Owens is one of the political pioneers of the 21st century. She will have people following her. She is a leader. That's You got it right there from Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. We've run out of time. Can't wait to see you next week as we continue with Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics, telling you things you won't hear anywhere else. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thanks for joining us today. And remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Rock Splitting Politics. You can order Ed's new book, Bedrock Truths, by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Or visit DocHolliday.org. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you again next week.